Hey all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, and this is Locked on Mizzou. And today, well, we've got plenty of Tigers talk, as per usual, including how, well, quite honestly, you never know, there might be some positive things that actually come out of this whole COVID-19 shutdown and changing of our lives. And one of them might be having to do with deer season and football. So we'll get to that in the second segment. And also, I want to go back to 2012 over these next few episodes and talk about the 2011-2012 Missouri Tiger basketball team. Of course, a famous squad, one of the greatest offensive teams, really, not only in Mizzou, history but quite objectively in college basketball history too of course the team that famously bowed out to Norfolk State in the first round but I actually want to go back to the very beginning of that season in our final segment today and talk about the one state one spirit classic down in Joplin Missouri but first you know what we gotta get into some modern stuff don't we and I guess the big news yesterday is that Trinity Catholic wide receiver Demetrius Cannon chose Louisville over Missouri, among other teams. And, well, that was a bit of a blow. A lot of good recruiting news for Eli Drinkwitz lately. I've talked about all of that in pretty good depth in this space. But, you know what, Cannon is definitely a guy that that staff wanted. They really were – they spent some resources and time looking at him. So, well, it isn't all good news all the time in recruiting. But overall – Obviously, we're, we're pretty happy, and indeed, it looks like Mizzou, all indications are that Tyler Hibbler is fully expected to commit to Mizzou tonight at 8 o'clock. That's Tuesday the 23rd as we record this. Now, Hibbler is a 5'11", 183-pound safety, and frankly, at 5'11", I guess they'll start calling him shorty in the DB room at Mizzou because, well, as we've Pointed out so far, most of these guys are six foot, six one, maybe even six foot three, which is fairly unusual for a defensive backfield. But you know, actually, the Athletic had a good piece recently about Hibbler, how he's a defensive coach, maybe even defensive coordinator. I'm not sure, but an assistant coach on a seventh, eighth grade football team as well. So, you know, it was just interesting to hear him talk about how. That gave him a different perspective on the game and maybe a little bit more respect for all of his coaches just to see the game from their perspective. So sounds like a good young man with a good head on his shoulders. And, well, again, we expect this safety prospect out of St. Louis to commit to Missouri tonight at 8 o'clock. Well, check him out online. I'm sure you can Google it if you want to watch that particular broadcast live, wherever it might be coming from. And you know what? As much as I enjoy talking about football recruiting, looking at the the new kids on the block, see if I can predict where they're going to end up, how their career is going to play out. I especially can't wait to see if I'm right about Tyler Macon, the East St. Louis quarterback of the 2021 class. I, I really think he's got a chance to be something special. But at the same time, it sure would be nice to have some real sports to talk about, wouldn't it? And Yes, I I know NASCAR's back. I know golf's back. And, yeah, those sports are fun. Don't get me wrong, but I need some team sports in my life. This is your partisan football and basketball show about the Tigers. And, obviously, I need some content at a certain point. 
And you know who else needs it even more than I do? Well, the beat writers for the Missouri Tigers. Your Gabe DeArmonds of the world, Dave Matter, Peter Ball, all these people. And frankly, obviously the NBA writers, the NFL writers, your national college football writers, they need some real content too because we're all starting to get a little bit sick of talking about the old days, right? Well, frankly, that's why I saved this 2012 basketball season for now because that's some good stuff. And again, we're going to get to that later. But my point is, it sure seems like we've got a lot of people that I just named off there. Every single one of them that I follow on Twitter, the sort of basketball, football, beat writer, Twitterverse, all seems very much aligned in really wanting to be right more than actually having football or basketball. It's really quite bizarre to me. And I'll say this, I think maybe I'll draw a bit of an investing analogy here. You know, you guys know I like to trade stocks, right? That's kind of my main deal outside of this microphone. Well, one thing the most basic person will ever tell you, even the most basic manual book about stocks will say, will tell to you about diversifying. Well, you never want to be fully invested in one position. You don't, no matter how great of a company you think Apple is, for instance, or Amazon or whatever it might be, you still don't want to put 100% of your assets, your liquid assets into that one position. That's just too much risk. And frankly, if you end up Let's say that stock moves against you, that one stock. If it goes down, moves against you 30 40%, well, obviously you've now lost 30 to 40% of your net worth. And the, and the bigger problem is, is you're now bought in fully. You know, you say you push all in in poker, right? Well, if you've essentially bought all in on your stock position, on your investing portfolio, if you buy one position, just Apple Computer. And when that position goes against you, it's going to be really hard to sell it because nobody wants to admit that they were that colossally wrong. And then you just hold on to hope. You just hope that it's going to come back. Well, hope is not a strategy. That's another basics of investing and, frankly, life. You have to have a real strategy, a real reason to own something. You can't just hope that it's going to happen. And yet I just see an endless array of people on my Twitter machine that are just seem it seems like they're hoping that sports doesn't happen just so their position can prove to be right. Their original all in fully 100% invested coronavirus position. I don't understand this. Sometimes in life you should hope to be wrong. And if you were really worried about the coronavirus at first, I don't blame you. I don't think you're silly at all. But I do think it would be silly after three and a half months of this to not have changed your mind in any way whatsoever, to not realize that maybe we can still live our lives and take precautions. Again, if it means that I have to wear a mask at Faro Field this fall, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to be that much of a contrarian about it that I'm just like, well, screw you, I'm not even going then if you make me wear a mask. And if you think I'm being a little maybe overly dramatic here, well, let me give you an example. This is a story from just under a day ago at this point from KBIA. And the headline is, Pure Hell, and that's in quotes, Pure Hell as COVID-19 Outbreak 
hits southwestern Missouri. And they go on in this piece talking about how there's been a spike in infections. The numbers have skyrocketed in Jasper County. Near Car- Basically, this whole thing is in Carthage, Missouri. It's near a meatpacking plant, meat processing, a butterball poultry processing plant, in fact. So, yes, we've seen a, a, a spike, as they like to say, a skyrocketing. That seems a little dramatic in cases. But you know what they never mention in this entire article? Deaths. Not once do they mention deaths. So I'm assuming that they haven't had any extras. I'm sorry, I don't care if people get sick. I care if they die. Maybe that makes me a nut job, but frankly, I don't think it does. I think that makes me a little bit more reasonable than whoever the anonymous person in this article was, this health person who called it pure hell. I just don't know how that can be pure hell when she admits that the hospitals aren't overrun. They're worried about them possibly being overrun, but they're not overrun. Why is that pure hell? I just find that to be a very misleading headline and very indicative of the sort of fully invested mentality that I'm talking about. But I'll tell you one thing I am always fully invested in, and that's Built Bar. Because, well, what else are you going to do? What, are you going to go buy a Snickers or something? You think that's going to be a, a healthy treat? No, I don't think so. The good news about Built Bar, far less calories, far less grams of sugar, and far less, of course, net carbs than your typical candy bar like a Snickers, a Reese's, any of that crap. No, you don't want any of that stuff. What you want is Built Bar. And the good news is, by listening to this show, you can go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On for $10 off your first order. And the better news is, they even have a special sale going on right now at Built Bar where you can get up to 50% off just about everything on that site. So again, use the promo code Locked On for $10 off that first order at BuiltBar.com. Once again, use that promo code Locked On. Hey, you know what? If you're tired of hearing me and everybody else talk about COVID-19, well, I can't blame you whatsoever. I'm, I'm right there with you, quite frankly. I'm just, I'm just to the point where, to modify Patrick Henry a little bit, give me sports or give me death. That's all I'm going to say. I just want to start living my life again. I don't know about you. But I have to say, on the more positive side, there could be something that we could work out here. Hey, state of Missouri, I've got a suggestion. So here's the deal. Now, while the University of Missouri and the Conservation Department are certainly not the same entity, well, they're both taxpayer-funded, right, in some ways, at least partially, right? So they do have the same interests in many ways. So here's my point. Let's get together. Let's get a little coordination here. One thing I've realized, of course, is that all these years, deer season often coincides with one of the last home games or two of Missouri football, specifically the main firearm portion of deer season. And this year, that begins, I believe, let me check my notes here. Yes, November 14th. 2020 is when the main firearm portion of deer season begins, and you can be sure that on that day when the Tigers are playing in Gainesville, 
that a lot of people who may have been watching that game otherwise are going to be out in the woods and trying to kill Bambi. God love them. Hey, I'm just not much of a deer season guy. But that's just me. I'm more of a football guy. But even worse, deer season continues till the 24th, which coincides with a home game, the Mizzou's final home game on the 21st against the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Now that is for sure, as it always does, herd attendance. Well, what have we done in this coronavirus period? A lot of campuses are starting a couple weeks early. And they're also shutting down in-person classes in mid-November or late November. Before, Basically, when Thanksgiving break comes, I think a lot of universities and colleges are just shutting it down in terms of in-person classes at that point. Well, here's what I'm suggesting. Why not University of Missouri, SEC, why not move the start of college football season back a couple weeks so we don't have to compete with deer season? I don't know, is this just a Missouri thing? I'll have to admit, I didn't scour all 50 states and try to find out when their main firearm deer season is. But in Missouri, it's certainly always mid-late November, and it always ends up messing with the University of Missouri's football program. So, I don't know, can we work something out there? Can we maybe move deer season back a week or two? Can we move the football season around a little bit? I don't know, it seems like it'd be easier to move the deer season, but I don't know. Maybe you hunters out there can tell me why that wouldn't work logistically either. But I've just often been thinking about there's got to be a solution here. There's a lot of people who love football and who love deer season. Why do they have to choose? There's just this 10-day period here where the main season is going on. Why does it have to coincide with the very end of football season? Let's work this out, people. Come on. We can do it. We're Missourians. Show me the solution. And you know what? Speaking of solutions, the Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash Black Lives Matter. And I'll talk about the one state, one spirit classic, coming right up. Well, as I'm sure you remember, unless you're very, very, very young, about nine years ago in May of 2011, the city of Joplin, Missouri was hit really, really hard by a huge tornado, several people were killed, thousands, millions of dollars in property damage, all kinds of stuff. No, none of it good, of course, was happening down in Joplin, but something did co- good come out of it, and that was the One State, One Spirit Classic. And that was a game that Missouri, under their new coach, Frank Haith, decided, you know what, we're going to go down to Joplin play Missouri Southern in Joplin, give all the money raised for charity. And in that game, they raised about $100,000 with the tickets for the game. And actually what made me think of this game the other day is, well, as you, you guys know, I'm moving. And in the process of moving, you tend to get down to the bottom of your T-shirt drawer. And, well, I found my 
one state, one spirit, one Mizzou t-shirt. And like many other people, bought that t-shirt, the proceeds of which helped out people in Joplin. In fact, raised over $300,000 or close to $300,000, I should say, based on the reports that I saw. So everything good there. And honestly, just a, a really unusual, it was almost like a friendly soccer match or something between, I don't know, two teams that two countries that had previously uh, gone to war or something even though there was no obviously there was no ill will between Missouri Southern and Mizzou it was just I don't know it was just a very unusual event in a good way mostly because well despite the fact that Mizzou came out and absolutely demolished Missouri Southern 114 to 68 you know despite that Fans of both teams were basically applauding every made shot. It was almost like it was the black and gold game or something. You know, you just cheer you cheer for the offense no matter which side it is. And speaking of offense, my goodness, Missouri, you know, 114 points in a 40-minute game is uh, pretty tough to top. And certainly, you know, of course the talk after the game was, well, Dana O'Neill did a recap for ESPN and she said one of her last couple sentences the caveat will it work well in the big 12 or will the Tigers inferior defense be exposed by bigger and tougher teams well it turned out the answer to that that question was both both of those things were true it worked really really well in the big 12 and the Tigers interior defense was exposed by bigger and tougher teams particularly Kansas State that season who beat the Tigers twice but again, what what she's referring to there? Then I, I should say, what will it work? Well, what is she referring to? Small ball. You see, Lawrence Bowers tore his ACL right before the season started, and I'll, I'll remember. I'll never forget this. I found out we were tailgating at a Mizzou football game when I found this news out, and I was just so bummed out because I love Lawrence Bowers as a player, and he seems like a good guy too. But I'm just saying, just an awesome awesome basketball player real underrated to me and the thing is I was sitting there with my buddy Gil we're we're sitting there talking at the tailgate and I'm going oh no we're screwed we have no size now because you know Ricardo Ratliff is not exactly well he had he was unbelievable that season shot over 60 percent from the field not exactly a defensive stalwart so I just thought man we are going to be way too small Again, we're coming off like two Lakers championships where they had Andrew Bynum and Pau Gasol just beating up people in the lane. It just felt like it just felt like too much to me. But in this game, in this one state, one spirit classic, I mean Missouri looked unbelievable offensively. The passing, they were sharing the ball. I mean, they we knew that they had good shooters. We already knew Marcus Denman and Kim English could shoot. That wasn't a big surprise. But it was just Boy, getting that extra shooter, four shooters as opposed to three. Suddenly, the whole floor was spread out. The ball was being shared. It was just absolutely beautiful basketball. And to be fair to Dane O'Neill, as impressed as I was, I was still skeptical too. I mean, Missouri Southern, you know, they were a top 10 ranked Division II team that year, but still a Division II team nonetheless. That is a team that obviously Missouri should beat, but demolish like that 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 should have raised some eyebrows for all of us we should have been saying okay this team might be better than what we thought and my point in kind of bringing this up is that 
there are times when your eyes, when the eye test actually does tell you something. It's when things have changed. You see, you shouldn't take one game in, say, the middle of a season when you've already kind of figured out what a team is. You shouldn't take that a one game result is not more important than the bigger picture, than the whole season is in aggregate. But if you have a new coach, if you have a new starting lineup, essentially, a new style of play, really watching that first game can tell you something. And because, again, when something is brand new like that, or at least somewhat new, like the Tigers were that season, well, then the statistics can't really tell you anything. If you go to Ken Palm and look at the previous Missouri team, yeah, it'll tell you something. It's going to tell you a lot about what kind of shooter that Marcus Denman is. But, again, you've changed the makeup of the team. You've changed the coaching staff, the makeup of the starting lineup. There's no way to statistically figure out how that's going to work until you get, I don't know, a decent sample size, at least five, ten games, maybe more than that, before you really start to figure that out. So at a certain point, you've got to trust your eyes. And it took me a while to trust my eyes. It really did. I thought, man, this team looks really, really good, is what I thought after the one state, one spirit classic. But then, you know, the first three games, Missouri scores over 80 points in wins over Southeast Missouri, Mercer, and Niagara. And they looked good doing it, too. So you thought, hmm, maybe there's something here. But you didn't totally know until they went to Madison Square Garden. Or I'm sorry, it was the Sprint Center, not Madison Square Garden. My mistake. But they played the University of Notre Dame, beat them 87-58, to and then California, who was top 20 at the time, 92-53. to Now, at that moment, on November 22nd, 2011, then I knew. I was like, okay, this team is freaking good. There, there was just no doubt at that point. We've now had a six-game sample size of them just burning up the nets every single game. So next time you get, I'll just give you a little betting advice here to close it out. The next time you see a team with a new coach, a new quarterback, a new system, a new offensive coordinator, whatever it might be this coming fall in football, for instance, if you think that that is going to be a good result, if you think this is going to improve the team, you think maybe the previous coach didn't know what he was doing, well, you'll probably be able to tell a difference in week one. So if you can see that, then hop on in week two and trust your eyeballs, trust your own instincts. That's my personal advice to you because if you're just going to go along, you can't just go along with statistics all the time because we're all so statistically oriented now, there's no edge there. There's absolutely no edge in advanced statistics. Ten years ago, there was an edge there because nobody paid attention to it. But now everybody pays attention to it. Now the edges are, where? what do I not know? What can statistics not tell me? What can my eyes tell me before the stats do? That's where your edge is. Try and find it. And also, be sure to find Locked on the NFL on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. So... Until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.